All right, before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know, uh, me, Ernie, we put this podcast together for free. It's for you at no charge. We only ask you a couple of things. If you could, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, we need the comments and the stars. It means a lot. It moves us up in the charts. We're getting great momentum, and we appreciate you. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. We do this for free. Please subscribe. Subscribe. Start up and leave a comment. Thanks for listening to the Michael Yo Show. Uh, this Friday and Saturday. Are you from Philly? No, I'm from Jersey, but oh. I spent a lot of time in Philly. That's not that far, though, right? No, I right across the bridge. Yeah. yeah. D- did you like guys in Jersey or Philly better? Oh, God. Uh, definitely Philly. Okay. Yeah. Why, why Philly? I it was Jersey was too close to home, and I grew up in Princeton, so I grew up with like waspy, like oh, just not like Philly was definitely like a little scrappier. So you like the know. rough, rough dudes? A little bit, yeah. yeah. And then I grew out of it because I'm not 20. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what you do. That's what you do. So I will be at Punchline Philly this Friday and Saturday with your ex boyfriend uh, <laughs> Michael Anoche, who we surprised you last week and was on the show, but this week no Michael Anoche, but me and him will be there Friday. And Saturday tickets, uh, all the VIPs are almost gone. So I appreciate the love, Philly. Yeah. Uh, just go to michaelyo.com. And of course, if you listen to the podcast, do me a favor, leave a comment. That's all I'm asking. I don't like, but but one person, one person gave me one star, <gasps> and I was like, how do you justify one star? Like, I get it. Like, if the podcast nobody even talked, like it would be one star. So like I was like how awful are you to give anything one star? Right? Like give a 3 or or 2 yeah. or something. Give a 5. Why don't we just give 5? Just what, 5. What positivity? Mm-hmm. You know, and leave an amazing review. Just like Michael, yo, your show is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I'll take that. I mean, that's what I wrote on your review page. No, you haven't because I look for your name. (laughs) You haven't even reviewed my damn show. All right, Jacqueline is here. Marfuji. Marfuji. Yeah, Marfuji. 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 So we're going to start with the uh, Bachelor update. We're going to talk some Super Bowl. And then Maz Jabroni is going to be coming in. I love Maz. Isn't he so good? Thank you. You know. I'm so proud of you. Just killing it. That's what we do. These guests, you guys are lucky with this content. Oh, yeah. Tell (laughs) me about it. All right, let's start with the Super Bowl. What did you think about the halftime show? Oh, gosh. It was something I don't think we all realized we needed as a country and wanted. I love it. I know there was a lot of people hating on it. Why? What was the hate you heard? I feel like a lot of people are like, uh, there's too many crotch shots yeah. and just like, people were like, we don't need both of them. Like, J-Lo could have headlined it. But I just thought it was so cool how they combined them, kids, just, and it was all bangers. Like, there was yeah. no like, alright, um, on to the next one. Yeah, it was uh, interesting that people were protesting after saying it was too sexual but then all you got to do is pan to the sidelines and see the cheerleaders jumping around their little outfits doing the exact same moves so i'm like what are you talking about they pan the cheerleaders all the time they're doing the exact same thing shakira gyrating moving like that jumping up and down they're doing the same things that shakira and jay lo did on stage Athletes, Like, I don't know about yeah. you. Have you ever taken a pole dance class, Michael? No. No. Should I? Should I? <laughs> the hardest thing you will ever do in your entire life. How many have you taken? I have taken one. Uh-huh. Were you sore? <laughs> I, I, I had bruises. I mean, these girls are athletes. Yeah. Like, to do that, I don't know. I was, like, trying to look for, like, a special contraption, like, yeah. that J-Lo was hooked up to. Because, oh, no. That's leg no. strength. 
the it was insane core strength, leg strength, everything. Like no, she so that. so which performer? And this is what I hate because everybody has a favorite. Yeah. But then when you say it now, people go, "Why are you trying to pit J Lo against Shakira?" I'm not trying to pit no, no. anyone. I'm just saying I had a favorite. Who was yours? Okay. I know I'll probably get hate for it because I feel like everyone I've talked to loves Shakira. Yes. But I uh, I want performance. I want outfit changes. I want Donatella Versace leather oh, clad. Like okay. the hair alone. JLo's hair performed that night. Okay. Like, okay. I mean that alone. So for me, J Lo gave me all the feels, but I appreciated the showman like Shakira played the drum. She crowd surfed. She played a guitar. She played with a rope. At yeah. first I thought it was a snake. Oh no, I thought she did the Britney Spears. I was like, yeah, oh was no, like, that's a we've rope. We've seen that before. But right. then I was like, no, she's more badass. They said they yeah. she dressed uh, like the character from, uh, what was that uh, movie? I think it was uh, Zootopia or Zoo something, yeah. where she looked like her character, but they said that was unintentional. My, my thing, it was Shakira by far. It wasn't even close. <laughs> like, I love both. They both did great. Yeah. But Shakira, I mean, like... When you put them next, here's where you really knew. When you put them next to each other and they did this thing with their, where they did that. I mean, Shakira moved 10 times faster than J-Lo. She really did. Oh, my God. But her hips don't lie. They're not they, attached to her body. They're not. <laughs> and the way she was moving, I even, my wife looked at me and went, whoa. That's right? What, like, it wasn't even, to me, it wasn't even close. It was not. J-Lo. Really? Like, and let me tell you, I used to be on the media side. J-Lo's a bigger star in America than Shakira. So, of course, every magazine, news magazine, is going to be like, oh, J-Lo this, J-Lo that, J-Lo yeah. this. No. No, because they know J-Lo is a bigger headline than like Shakira. Here, but Shakira globally. No, 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 but we're talking about America. We're talking about the US. Like, America TV knows <laughs> J-Lo to do your interviews, to keep coming on your show. You can't be like, oh, no, Shakira outdid J-Lo. That's because true. Because she won't come on your show. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, remember that stuff. And to me, I know J-Lo will never do my podcast, so I'm fine with saying. Um, I, I don't think so. You have me, you have Maz Jabroni. I, I think I J-Lo's J-Lo. the next step. I mean, but I think, right? J-Lo, I think J-Lo, honestly, if she watched it, she'd be like, look, we both did great, but Shakira, it was her night that night. To me. To me. Ernie, I do. Ernie, did you watch it? I did. What do you think? Talk into the mic, Ernie. This is a podcast, sir. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, I did watch it. And uh, Shakira, by far, over J-Lo. Right? Why, though? Why? Because she has, she, why. she has more talent. Like, she can sing and dance, or, like, ten times better than J-Lo can. Okay, I don't know about the dancing. Okay, that's like a hip well, trick. No, no. So, a combination as a dancer and choreographer. Let's talk about dancing for a second. Yes. Because all of J-Lo's moves, it was dudes spinning her and things like that. Shakira was up there solo, just breaking it down. Um, like I'm that. sorry. And then was like, this thing right here, when she does the hip, where she just pops the hip like she that. She pops it. Oh, my goodness. No. And then when she did the belly dancing, I was like, whoa. Again, Michael, you have never been on a pole before. No. That I, and is I was, also technique and talent. So I, I, I watched it uh, twice, and yeah. I noticed most of J-Lo moves where dudes were passing her around. It was a lot of that, and that was the only thing that I what I didn't think was that clean. Yes. Like, her lines weren't that clean, and that looked a little messy, where I was like, oh, oh. But her slide on her knees, and then her little dance to I can slide on, on my floor. knees. I mean, come on. <laughs> he what? can't get up. Yeah, but, I, I know. My um, knees will give out. <laughs> but... But I and I this is what I hate. We talk about ageism, right? Yeah. But when a woman performs like that, the first thing they all say is she's fifty. It's like if you hate ageism, why are you even mentioning that she's fifty? Take that out of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, younger. 
43, but yeah. I didn't even look at age during no. the show. But but every announcer was like, and she's 50. Like, please. I was like, stop. Come on. No one wants to hear that. Yeah, man. No. Come on. But I thought it was great. And then Emmy came out. I think Emmy actually overshadowed JLo's voice. Her daughter. Oh, yeah. Her yeah, yeah. vocals were so, she was so poised. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest stage in the world. And she just was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think when you're young, you don't understand that. You don't realize that. You don't understand. Like, it's like, like a talent show. Yeah. It's like, oh. <laughs> Okay, whatever. And JLo's her mom. Yeah. So it's kind of like, she's used to it. That's it's, true. It's just another day. She's like, You're whatever, singing. mom, fine, I'll do your show. Yeah. I mean, it's like, whatever. <laughs> like, it's no big deal Did to Did you like the people she brought on? Because I wanted some Ja Rule, do, I'm Real. And I think that's another reason why JLo didn't do as well as I thought she could. Mm. For some reason, when people do that show... Uh, Justin Timberlake a couple years ago. You read my mind. You want to see what made them famous. You yeah. want to. You don't want to hear just their version of the song. You want to see Insane. You want to hear friends. You want to see Bye Bye Bye. I, you want to see Britney and Sync, all of them, Nelly together. That was the best Super Bowl. Y- yes, two thousand two. Yes, it was two thousand two. So my thing is, I want to see Justin Timberlake sing Girlfriend with uh, Nelly and Insane. Uh-huh. You know, won't you be my girlfriend? Uh-uh. Yeah, I want to see that. I wanted to see, uh, but with J Lo, she had Ja Rule. She could have brought out. She had a pit bull she had brought out. Did you watch the pre-shows? Because everyone was like, how is Pitbull not there? Like, it's Miami. But he performed on one of the pre-shows. Yeah, one of the pre-shows. Which I was like, hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> that, that's that's something else. Is like, Pitbull is 305. He's yeah. Miami. He, You're J-Lo, 305, though, too. I'm 305, too. But I wish, I wish they would have had J-Lo, I mean, uh, Pitbull, or, uh, or anybody Miami, with J Lo, Ja Rule would have been good because oh. you want to hear the songs like they really were. Yeah, you know I what wanted I mean. Ja Rule with like a fire festival sweaty cheese sandwich, right. just like walking out. Just, just like, <laughs> just anybody want to do another festival? <laughs> exactly. uh. All right, so let's talk about the Bachelor real yes. quick. Uh, last night was three hours. I'm gonna be honest with you, people watching and listening. I didn't make it all three hours, but I got the gist of it. Yeah, I think you're fine. Yeah, you're good. All I know, well, what what were the highlights for you? I want to oh, run down on God, there was because you took notes. I really, I, love I mean, guys. I am so committed to you. Yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> right? All oh my God! Freaking notes. No, I. It's hard because there's wine involved when I watch, so I oh, have to make okay. sure. You, now, do you talk to anyone when you're taking these notes? Um, do you have I have a group to of tell all my girlfriends to shut the fuck up. Oh, okay. They <laughs> like, like to talk over. It up. Can okay. I curse? Them oh yeah, of course. Yeah, because they all like talk. We also get bored. That's yeah. the thing. Like we're there's so many times where we're like, you gotta rewind that. You gotta rewind it. Yeah. There were so many weird things that happened during this episode. Episode, I know. I mean, the tongue work alone towards the end. Did you see McKenna's face? Did you see it? Yes. McKenna's crazy, though. Oh, 100%. We need that from She has show. crazy eyes. I say it every week. Like, the girl's psycho. Like, <laughs> And when I talk about these people, I want I want to make clear, because I say it every time. I'm talking about not them personally. No, they're characters. Because I see it as a reality fake show, where all the characters are heightened. So I'm t- when I speak about someone, and I want to make this very clear, when I I speak about someone. I am talking about the character they play on the show because I don't think it's real at all. So, McKenna on the show 
Crazy eyes, psycho. Tongue work. Um, I also love that they were all gaslighting each other by the end. Yes. They 100% were. They were like, Tammy, stop it. We're all on Adderall. We're all like, I think McKenna's tongue work was just she put too much Adderall in her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was it. Like, someone give this girl a glass of wine. <laughs> she, she needs, needs to calm down. She needs something. <laughs> Some, I, I love Sydney. I love how Sydney got to tell her like biracial story of me being made no but because I identified with that yes. you know so I was like oh I get it you're a Bi- Sydney I, I'm a Sydney inside I was like I understand I feel your pain Sydney we are both there on the same trip but I, I also love that Peter kind of likes Sydney you know he, he wants to taste the flavor oh but he tasted a lot of yeah, it on episode that kiss was like not like it was it weird it made me feel awkward inside because they really show like usually they show it and kind of pan out this one they kind of showed and went in yeah it was too much and also did you like how when he was speaking Spanish to her she would just go in for she didn't know she what didn't he said it. She, she didn't yeah. know anything he said something in Spanish and she was like I don't blame her use what you got Sydney you know what so yeah I like Sydney a lot I think she's gonna make it to the end because she's Leo. sweet but she's also like like she knows how to she's mix it up. She's a little scrappy. She got ghetto when she was fighting with Tammy towards oh, yeah. the end. Oh yeah, she was like, and we were like, no. oh my god, Peter hasn't seen this side. No, no, nobody has. <laughs> no, she can turn it on and off. I liked it. Well, yeah. we need someone to like throw down. We got rid of Alea. Yeah, that's Alea. Oh, oh, the I best love boobs that. on the show. Like when she, yeah, <sighs> yes, when she got on the show and then kicked off the show again, I was like, this. And this just proves my point. And once again, I'm talking about the characters on the show, not uh-huh. them personally. Sure but it lovely. shows you how boring Peter is where they have to bring a girl back just to heighten it to make it a story and then he kicks her off and then she was already over it but the t- she, she didn't even care and also oh she cried she, she was cried. trying She the amount of Botox in her face wasn't allowing her to cry Michael she looked constipated she, she was like she looked, just one tear no but she cried she did cried the, uh, she was see, sad I'm nearsighted I didn't have my glasses no, she, on I didn't see water she was sad but I don't think it was about Peter it was about hey I want more followers on Instagram deal yeah now. god damn it you know I think it was more about that like she was definitely a girl that doesn't want love. She just wants to be famous on that show. Oh, totally. I don't yeah. blame her. Um, I mean, I, I don't yeah, either. That's if you're why you should it. be there. I'm not there for love. I'm I going w- on The Bachelor to become The Bachelorette. I want a spinoff. I want to be on Dancing with the Stars, and then I want a book. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's why and you that's, do The Bachelor. That's, when you go on The Bachelor, that should be your goal, exactly what you said. Exactly. You don't want to find love. The, the odds are you're not. No. So go on there saying, okay, I'm not going to find love, but I'm going to be famous. You're like, I don't want a real job for the next five years. You know? So let's, I don't Let me milk this. Right? As long as everybody has that same attitude and, and Peter is just so soft I mean when he walked back to that group of girls after Alea left he was like alright and they're uh, like fuck and then they like they don't even care about him they're like you're here again yeah they're all, it's almost like Ugh. like yeah. yeah well here's how uh, unmanly Peter is you know when he was making out with Sydney and they panned off when they were on the beach uh-huh. guess who was on the bottom Peter. He Peter. was like, she was holding his head. She, Sydney was holding Peter's head like, blah, blah, blah. and Peter was like, oh, 
she's like, so, I got you. Yeah, she, Peter was like, oh, you're so strong. And the best part was when Peter was like, you have the softest lips. You're the best kisser. Just, uh, and then he was like, but don't tell anyone else. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> They're going to beat me up if I go back and you tell them. And they will beat yeah, him up. They literally will beat him up. Yeah, like, he's like, Peter is scared of the women on this show. There's, like, extra security for Peter. I mean, if, let's th- let's talk about what girls could beat up Tammy definitely could beat up Peter. Yeah. I think Kelsey would get wasted and beat up Peter. Oh, yeah. It's Sydney could beat up Peter. The only girl on that show that can't beat up Peter is Hannah Ann. Hannah she's Ann's just so too small. little. Like, she's too small. She's just like, she hasn't lifted a weight yet. She's too little. Like, they won't let her work out. She'll pull a muscle. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, she's, oh, she's What else adorable. stood out to you? Oh, God. Kelsey's hair extensions. They yeah. they really had a moment. Yeah. It was I didn't a lot. See what, what happened? Well, no, they. you could just tell as a female, any female listeners, you know this. I mean, I'm wearing a weave right now. I really Are you tried. Really? Yeah. It looks so nice. Thank, oh, my God, Michael. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I tried to get the JLo hair going didn't really work it's no it fun. didn't but like i'll, I'll no, admit I mean, not, it not, like, i didn't think j-lo when i saw i thought cool trendy <laughs> hollywood you. when i saw yeah it. i tried really hard um <laughs> uh yeah and so her hair extensions you always notice on a girl and claire your wife will attest to this because she's a pat she was a former pageant girl uh-huh. you can always tell when there's a cutoff and it's a bad weave uh-huh. there's a different color on the bottom and kelsey she des moines as we like to call her for uh, champagne des moines. Gate, des moines um she's brave she wore extensions into the jungle which yeah. you there's humidity and it was just like getting worse and worse and then she's popping Adderall and birth control she's confusing everything and like it's just like the hair is just like it's it was a lot but I enjoyed it's, it you know what's funny is they're actually talking about pill popping so openly on they this really show are. welcome to 2020 welcome Michael. to 2020 I'm here for 22 it. year old girls <laughs> popping pills on national TV she was so TV. casual about it she was like all I did was take my Adderall and my birth control this morning I'm not on pills <laughs> Okay. Kelsey is a hot mess. I like, love it though. We no, need it. You need her because what she does is get drunk and then tell everybody she's not drunk and she's not sad. Like but but every sorority girl you've ever met, every but girl at a bar in LA. She's crying the whole show, going, I'm not sad and I'm okay. I love that she tried to do damage control though. <laughs> she was like, I need to get to Peter before Tammy does. Right. That's like Lindsay Lohan leading an alcohol anonymous movie. You know, it's like, okay guys, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. It was amazing. And then also one of my other favorite parts, I want to know if they give them classes on running and jumping on Peter because it's the jump off. That's how every date starts. Well, you know, like when you watch Marvel, they got the superhero when they fall to the ground, they hit the ground and then they have this pose. Mm -hmm. That's a requirement for the bachelor. You got to learn how to jump and wrap your legs around (laughs) them. You know, like, I can't wait to see Hannah Ann do it because she's so small. Her legs might not she's even gonna get She's going to get over it. It's going to be like a hurdle. Oh, my God. We lost Hannah Ann. Shit, Peter. You couldn't catch her? No? Who's your, who's your favorite so far? I said it last week, and yeah. I'll say it again. I really think Madison's going the distance. You know what's interesting about Madison? And I told my wife this. My wife is so nice, and Madison's so nice. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get enough screen time, which makes me think, Peter really likes her because she's still there because the producers probably told him to get her off. So, because she doesn't... She's, she's kind of boring right now. No. Well, she's going to be boring for yeah. the rest of the season. And so that's why you would pick her as your future wife. Wife, but not great television. Yeah. So, my idea is 
she'll get to the end, but the producer's like, we need more drama, and yeah. they'll kind of I sway mean, Peter away from her, because she's just not great. She's a great person to really marry and be with. She's not. Terrible she's bachelor. terrible bachelor. She's terrible for two. Um, did you catch her after the second person tried to pull Peter during the rose ceremony at the end? Madison, all you see are her red pants on the ground. She sat down in the middle of yeah. them waiting, and right. I was like, that's a girl I want to hang out with. That's what I'm saying. She's that's- just like, I can't. Let's talk about, did you see the photo shoot they did? Oh, yes. Also, can we talk about the photoshopping of more bathing suits on all the girls in this yeah. episode? What was that? I don't know. I don't know. It, it was a, was it a Cosmo shoot they were doing? It was a Cosmo shoot. Yeah. Yeah. And Victoria F. F. She won, right? The challenge. She won. And then they're not going to issue the pictures they're because not. because she was wearing a shirt before the show that said white lives like, matter but also blue lives blue matter li- <laughs> what the fuck is that i don't you know that's not but, an argument cosmo they just didn't want them on their digital cover my this is the whole thing is like people get confused about the black lives matter movement and you know i like, when you try to create other movements from it, it's just so... Fr- like, look, yes, white lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives Everyone's matter. Everyone's lives Guess matter. what? Breast cancer awareness. Does the other cancers go, hey, but what about us? We're-. No, they don't. It's like, I mean, you got to admit, black people go through certain things. White people, Latino people, and Asian people don't go through. Asian people go through what certain things, but... I mean, police brutality is big in the streets. Yeah. So it's, it's an issue where... I mean, I it, really didn't think we had to go there, Cosmo. Yeah, no, like, you know, it it's kind of like, yeah, but you know, Victoria F. She's the one that do the blue lives matter, the white lives matter. Like, does that affect me personally? I don't. I I, I just see that stuff as ignorant, so it doesn't bother me at all. Exactly. You can do it. You can not do it. I don't care. It I doesn't expect that from a bachelor. It, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't move me either way. No. I'm not oversensitive to it, but I understand the Black Lives Matters movement now. I mean, the Victoria F. story that everybody's waiting for is that she uh, allegedly broke up four marriages four, yeah. that are going to come out later in the uh, season. Now, Thank that's God. what I can't wait to I watch. need drama. And I want to know who's going to spoiler alert that. Who's going to tell Peter? Who's going to alert the tribe? What if Alea comes back and go, I got more news. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm back, bitch. I got more news. Um, I think it's going to be a double team. I think it's going to be Alea, Hannah, Brown. They're going to be like, yes, they're like the eighth year seniors that cannot leave the campus. They will never leave. Uh, So, (laughs) Also, I love before the swimsuit shoot, we had to get a soundbite of Victoria F. being like, oh, my God, I ate a sandwich yesterday. I wish I knew. Victoria F. is so annoying. She's that girl. You know, you have that guy. She's that girl. She is. I still like uh, Victoria P., Yes. I think she's going to make it far. The Forever 21 Claire. Yes, the Forever 21 Claire. (laughs) And then, like you said, Madison's going to make it far. Uh So if you had to pick three to be in the finals, who would it be? I would definitely say Madison. I think Hannah Ann, just because she has that like hometown. How many make it to the final before he picks one? Is it three or five? I feel like there's four hometowns. Four. Okay. So the final four, I think, I think we're on the same page. Okay. I I think it's Madison, Hannah Ann, not Tammy, I think Victoria P. Victoria P. And Victoria F. See, I think Victoria F. And that's when they're going to drop the bombshell. Oh, look at you! He should be a I think, bachelor I think producer because I think the producers. This and I, I don't know. Any, I don't watch the Steve thing. Peter's just so boring. They need drama. Like if you notice how boring. Like I never thought Colton 
would be a better bachelor than anyone, but he's way better than people. Way better. At least, like, if you notice, they have to create all the drama. Uh, the girls have to create the drama, not the guy. No. Because Peter just doesn't have what... Peter even tried to create drama when he, like, hit his head on a golf oh cart. My God. And, the- and it's so stupid. Oh. And it, what was even dumber was the reaction of the girl. Oh, my God, a panther? It was like sitting through a terrible stand-up show. Oh. Like, oh, who's writing for you, Peter? You should fire them. And now remember, I think Peter's an amazing guy in real life, but on the show, he's soft. He's, he's oh, just... God. Like, he's a guy that... I I have guy friends like this. He's a guy that women marry, and they will run all over, and uh-huh. then they'll have a divorce because they're like, "You're not, uh, you're not like a man." Oh no, you're, you're a boy. We were saying when him and Kelsey, like when she randomly showed up at his place as he was just staring off into the the volcano, <laughs> um, we were like, "Oh my god, they look alike!" Like it's like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> like I can't. Like that's just it. Yeah, I man, I. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see Victoria P. I mean, Victoria F. and all that drama. Uh, the photo shoot, of course, they're going to take it down, but it was for digital website. Who it cares? Was a di- yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to download my digital copy of the Bachelor photo shoot. Right? No, thank you. I'm no, good. Thank you. Pass. That's pass. a hard pass. Like they said, hard pass. We're not even talking about Kelly. I feel like we just forgot about her. Okay, whole... so Kelly, what's your take on Kelly? Okay, Kelly, for me, she's like the hot stoner girl in yeah. college that like is in your dorm and she's like, cool and chill and you're like whatever Kelly she's always in a Grateful Dead t-shirt not yeah. threatening and then uh-huh. all of a sudden she shows up in a tank top at the party and you're just like oh my god Kelly's so hot yeah like she's just like chill I think, I think Kelly she's I think one of the oldest people there yeah 27 <laughs> she's 27, 27. so I, I feel <laughs> like her she's double very, ARP card I feel like she's worldly yeah she's traveled she talked about traveling uh, um, she's an attorney all over the world. an attorney <laughs> I think this is beneath her she doesn't care and she doesn't really and, care her and Peter already hooked up in a hotel lot. Yeah, so she's like, I already know what this is. We're you, good. Know? you could tell, like, by the way they were talking to each other, they've definitely penetrated her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She's like, good. let's throw it down. Like, yeah. what's this? So I think she's going to make it to the, I mean, she'll make it far, but. Maybe two more episodes. Yeah, yeah. I just don't, I just think they have something. Yeah. And I, but I feel like she doesn't care either. Doesn't care. It's almost like. I don't like. Let me try this show, but okay. But I'm not going to get involved in all this. Not this is baby stuff. Yeah, this is childish. I hey, maybe it'll help me as an attorney get more clients. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. but I don't really care about this show. Yeah, and she all the care. drama, whatever. I like love- she is so drama free. They even skipped her on an episode. Like two episodes ago, she wasn't even on. I was like, where did this girl come she from? She doesn't care. No. And I like and I like that about her. She knows what she's there for. She was like reading emails in her bedroom <laughs> for a whole episode. She's like, I got I have law work. Yeah, I do she's law like, stuff. I'm trying to get people out of jail. Yeah. That's what I or put people in jail, either one. And I loved when she was like, Peter, I'm sorry. I was sitting in Cleveland and I was just like, I can't do this. Like this is below me. <laughs> says everyone that's ever sat in Cleveland right, before. Right. You yeah, no shit. You're sitting in Cleveland, like I can't, I can't anymore. I, 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 I love her attitude, but it comes from a, a place uh, where the other girls don't have maturity, yeah. uh, confidence, and know the strength she has as a woman. So that's what you see with Kelly. That 
you could tell these young girls don't have, and Kelsey doesn't have because she's just a hot mess. Total hot mess. She's like the girl that says, I'm not about drama, who's totally Only about, about drama. drama. I'm 100. not about drinking. But also, <laughs> <Not getting wasted. laughs> but totally it's like the girl wasted. that tells you she's not going to hook up. I never hook up with people the first night, and she's the first person yeah, to hook up with everybody train, on the first night. The train is on her. Yeah, the once they, the night. you know the trick. Once they tie up that hair, Ernie, <laughs> it's on. It. It's on. Once, <laughs> once they tie up that hair, Those you hair know, it's a, it's a no. They grab the glue. Yeah. Come to play. No, it's, they don't tie up their hair for nothing, Ernie. Although I do have to say, I can't. I know he kept Tammy because we needed more drama, and she's yes. like the potster. Oh yeah, but shame on Tammy for calling her out about like the drinking and stuff. Why? I I just don't like that. Like oh. they're there to be drinking. They're there to be doing all that. Like come down, come Tammy. On. Well, they need a show. I know. If Tammy didn't complain about what is that show about last night? Nothing. You're nothing. Right. You're right. Nothing. Uh, nothing. And guess what? They yeah. prodded Tammy to go, hey, why don't you tell Peter about the... Oh, my the, God. The I just want to see the behind the scenes. I know there's the show Unreal that, like... I love whatever. Unreal. Uh, it's so good. Can I tell you, Constance Zimmer is one of my favorite oh, people ever. God, I And love she is her. so nice. I bump into her everywhere. Really? And I'm like, I loved her on Entourage when she would go after uh, Ari. Oh, uh, what's his Jeremy Piven so on the show. good. Oh, she's so good in that show. You know who kind of reminds... I, I ran into Rachel Lee Cook this weekend. Wait, I know she Rachel She played Lee. Lady Bob and she's all that just okay, like yes, yes. another like 90s hot yep. brunette but like undercover hot like uh-huh. cool girl and I was just like same thing Constance like oh I want I just want to be friends with them and she saw I saw last time I saw her in a movie premiere and she was like asking about my family just so nice right? Constance Zimmer I love you I love you Constance you, are you should come awesome. on the Michael Leo show yes when I'm here Yes. Any final things about The Bachelor? Uh, I you got like 10 pages of notes. I know. I have 10. I'm like, oh my God. So many things. Um, I just want to know how much McKenna, a.k.a. Sookie Waterhouse, (laughs) how much longer she's going to last. And maybe they should cut her out of all pills in half. But do you you think that uh, the show, okay, with Tammy being the crazy one now, do they need McKenna? Or do you think they got to keep both of them? Um, I, I think one of them's got to go by the end of the week. I think Wednesday, yeah. one of them's going to go. Um, okay. McKenna's Barrett work alone um, <laughs> would make me not give her and a she's roast. so insecure on yeah. that show. I mean, but we need that. We need her. Yeah, you we know? need her. Until uh, no, neither her nor Tammy are making it to the hometown visit. No, 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 not at so all. So at least it'll be fun and exciting. Like, this is still the fun part. So you, know? you don't think you don't think Sydney uh, will make it to the hometowns? No, I don't. I no. would love to see her hometown because it sounds like it's backwoods and like a little it's broken. A broken family. Yeah. So like, hey, dad. this is my town where I don't know anybody. <laughs> or like the a- dad shows up randomly. This is like the third time she's met. I knew it. Oh my god. Dad. Okay. <laughs> cool. What are you doing Sydney's here, dad? I also I and called it's, it. And it's Meghan Markle's dad too. Yeah. <laughs> You my guys second, are friends? <laughs> my second family oh I haven't told anybody about. And I called it last night. Natasha, who just doesn't like Peter, does, she's always the voice of reason. She's always really cute, always adorable in her confessionals or whatever they're called. I think she's going to be the next Bachelorette. Oh, I'm calling it here. I'm, t- I'm letting you know if Victoria P... Does it win this show, get engaged? She is the next bachelor. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, let's yeah. make a bet on it. Oh, let's bet. Yeah. Who has to go to a pole dancing class? No, I'm not making <laughs> That's that bet. bet. I do not want to be in tight sliding up and down a pole. I mean, wouldn't you guys pay money for that? Yeah, they probably would. Yeah, they uh, would. 
Thank you so much. Where can people follow you and no, all that good stuff? Um, you can follow me at Jacqueline Marfugi. That's J-A-C-L-Y-N-M-A-R-F-U-G-G-I. And I post all my comedy show dates there. And listen to What's Your Jersey podcast on What's iTunes. Her Jersey podcast? Listen yeah. To that. No, right. Michael's been on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? I don't remember, but I know I was. No, I'm playing. It was that much funny black yeah, No, it was. Because I remember now, it was at your house and it you was. brought out food. Yeah. You got, what I food? think you got meatballs. Because I call my Oh, wait a minute. Meatballs. Let's talk about meatballs. You didn't bring them today. I know. I didn't. Did I say I was going to bring them yeah, last week? Yeah, you did. Week? You're a liar. It's because you said I had to come at 1030 and not 11. And that was oh, just so too much. Oh, so the 30 minutes? Yeah, the 30 minutes. Okay. All right. Well, maybe next time it'll be 11. <laughs> yes. Bring, I will bring them the next time I'm here. All right. You want to know about her? Just uh, look at all the handles below. We'll put all our information there. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. This is awesome. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Okay. If you like the show, please support it right now just go to itunes give it five stars leave a comment and subscribe it does so much for the show it helps get us into the top of the charts and we're building momentum man we're so excited about the show we're so excited about the guests we have coming on so please support the show it means a lot to me subscribe comment give it five stars yeah, I didn't know. Like, I knew Mike was huge. I didn't know he was that huge. Oh man, Mike Epps. Yeah, but that's the. But that's with a lot of people because what happens is when we're on the when when we're all in LA performing, you just follow the next guy. Yeah, and you don't know how big they are until some once in a while. I've like Tom Segura. I know he's hilarious. I knew he was doing great, but I was at the comedy store and I'm bringing him up. Blah 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 blah. Tom Segura and the place goes nuts. And I go, oh wow, they're all here to see Tom. And then I and then I start hearing like he's doing big venues, big venues. So it's crazy that we don't, you know, it's almost like we're all in the same game. Yeah. But we don't know how anyone's doing. Well, you're all in the same game in L.A. In L.A. In L.A. Because I've been uh, it's interesting to that you say about Tom Segura and people. It's also the opposite where people are so used to seeing big names they don't go to support a lot of times great comics. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, I did a show not too long ago, and uh, it was like three big comics. Mm -hmm. There was only like 75 people there, you know? Really? Yeah, and and I'm not going to say what club or anything, but but it's like there wasn't a Bill Burr on the lineup or Tom Segura or a a Dalia, let's say. Right. So people, you know, there's, or Rogan. Yeah. You know, so there are like four or five names that if they're on your lineup, it's going to be sold out. Yes. And now what's great is they're hip to it. So now they're getting paid because normally they were just popping in for spots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And getting paid the normal rate. Yeah. And everybody was there for them. Yeah. But now they're doing their own nights. Yeah. Of course. And crushing it. And now getting all the money and actually since they've been on the other side really taking care of the comics that are on their show which i love yeah that's true that's true it's an interesting thing because um i think first of all la i I started doing stand-up in la in late 98 mid 98 and then i was at the comedy store in the early 2000s the aughts and uh that's when it was like at its lowest right dead Dead. Dead. I've heard like it was like five people for a show, ten people. Dude, I remember doing so on a Saturday night main room, I was one of the last guys up and uh it was because by the time the show would go, first of all, they used to only do one show on Saturday night. Uh-huh. And by the time the end came, literally like maybe three people in the audience. Wow. And you go up in front of three people in this room that seats over three hundred. Yeah. And you'd just be laughing at the situation. And now they do two shows on a Saturday. And every room is filled. Every room. It's a renaissance. It really is. And I think it's a combination of the podcasts, the Joe Rogans, the Joey Diaz's, the Mark Marins, all those guys. It's also Netflix. It's also YouTube. 
suddenly comedy is this thing where all these people have their cult followers and they show up and the room's packed. Because I know you have a cult following as well. Like, people don't know how big you are. And what's interesting probably to you is you'll have it in certain markets and in certain markets you Crazy. don't have it. Crazy. And so you're like, whoa, what what just happened? Because I know, like, your particular audience. Yeah. And I know for me, in certain markets home run certain markets it's like what the it's crazy i think because what it is is perhaps we have had a niche following and and i know i have i have three or four different places people know me from like let me before you even go to your what every comic says about you the same thing yeah oh black cards like your audience they always said they they're the rich cards black cards they got black cards they're rich (laughs) they're buying bottles yeah that is maz's audience right there well it's a my i do have an affluent audience i do have i think they're they tend to be um you know just successful business people what have you so first of all obviously there's the middle eastern side right so there's iranians arabs there's even indians there there aren't middle eastern but indians and and you know people from that part of the world and those people tend to be professionals educated yep you know so you know if you go in with dick jokes you're gonna lose them 100 percent. but you got to go in with jokes that are just you know i mean i do a lot of family stuff as do as do you i think they like that stuff and then i get political as well but Anyway, my the three places I think that I'm known from, one is from Friday After Next. Yep. So that's like if I see an audience member and it's like an urban-looking dude, whether it's like Latino or it's African-American or whatever, I'm like, that's Friday, probably yeah. Friday After Next. Yep. And sometimes I get surprised. Sometimes they, they know me from somewhere else, but that's usually the thing. Then I got the Middle Easterners who know me from Access to Evil Comedy Tour, and it's kind of like I was one of the first guys out the gate doing it from that background. It was me, Ahmed Ahmed, Aaron mm-hmm. Cater with Access to Evil. So... People know me from there. And then the third place now I do uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. So if I see like an older white couple coming down, I'm like, that's NPR. Wait, wait, don't tell me. So that's the three places that that kind of come together. And it tends to be places that because I'm very liberal with my politics. I'm very left. 100%. So it tends to be places that are left leaning. I do pretty well in. You know, um, and then, like you said, I always say being a stand up comedian until you end up on a national show. Until you pop. Until you pop. Being a stand up comedian is like, it's like having a movie come out every weekend. Yes. Because you do one city. I just did DC and we did, uh, you know, Kennedy Center, 2,300 people one night. Nice. Feel like a rock star. I'm like, oh, this is great. Then the next weekend, you end up in another city, Birmingham, Alabama, Birmingham, and you do Alabama, three hundred, and the and the, cl- <laughs> the well, the club sending you counts. They're like, "Well, we've sold fifty tickets so yeah. far." You're like, "What? Where now, are my now, people?" Like, I am uh, newer in the game. I've been doing it nine years now. Yeah, and I'm touring all over. But you've been doing it twenty five years, twenty one years, twenty one years. Yeah. How do those counts? affect you mentally when you've been doing it so long are you just because like you said some markets are way lower than other markets yeah. but you still got to do the show well so how do you look at it you know i think I've, I've gone through a lot of phases early on i used to really want to get give me the numbers give me the numbers where are we at let's get on it because the other thing you run into this is something i learned about comedy clubs comedy clubs have a new comedian coming every weekend and a lot of them do not have a sophisticated way of promoting each comedian they just take you to the same radio station. They put an ad in some weekly that no one's reading. And you show up and you go, did you reach out to, you know, fans of Friday After Night? Did you reach out to the Iranian-American community? Did you reach out to college students in these places? No, we never knew. So you go, okay, these people have no idea. And what they'll do is they'll hit you up the week of and go, numbers are slow. What can you do? And I go, you should hit me a month in advance 
because then we could do something about it. So early on, I used to really get involved like that. Um, as I've gone, as I've you know, got been in the game longer and longer. I've learned to kind of just chill a little bit. Okay. You know, a lot of times the numbers will come as you, you know, whatever it is, your fans will find you and the numbers will get there. Once in a while you go to town, you're a little disappointed. You go, what happened? And again, you realize, oh my God, we dropped the ball. We didn't promote it the right way. Um, but for the most part, I mean, it's been pretty consistent and it's all about, like I was saying, it's about hitting that next thing that brings more people in. So when I had my Netflix special come out, I think that brought more audience members that saw me on Netflix, right? And then nowadays with social media, we both know it could be anything that you put out there that all of a sudden people find you. So you got to keep putting stuff out. It's interesting. I had a special come out uh, at the beginning of uh, last year, and um, until I started having clips of stand-up, my audience was all people that saw me host or on Wendy Williams or different shows. Now, I've seen the numbers go up incredibly once I had clips because it's almost like when you – because I never put out anything because I wanted my first representation to be professional. Pro. Right. So I waited eight years, shot a special, and that special did great. So now I'm starting to see ever since I put out clips – of a special, it's almost like now you're a comedian. Like everything you did before, yeah. Until you shoot that first special, you're just—it's a class. And then once you shoot it, now you have something real tangible that people go, "Oh, he is funny." Well, what it is is, listen. You think everybody knows what you're doing? Nobody knows what you're no. doing, but you, maybe your agents, publicists, people that work with you—that's all that know. Because a lot of times, you're right. People will see you on a TV show. I mean, think about yourself even. I've, there, there have been times where I've been, you know, if you look at, if you go back and watch, for example, even, um, uh, um, what was it, a full house. Yeah. Um, what was the name of, not, not just Bob Saget, but the other stand up, uh, Coulier, Coulier, Coulier. So if you just watch that, you'd think, first of all, you, a lot of people didn't know Bob Saget was a stand up comedian. Yeah, and true. then they would go see him and they'd be like, oh my God, he's, he's so, so dirty. dirty. Yeah. So people see them on the thing and that's, and they go, oh, you're a stand up? I'll go check it out. What I noticed today is you need to be on a show. Like, of course, we'll take any great acting gig, but where you benefit the most, if, if you're on the show and you are who you are, like a Kevin Hart, yeah. like every show he's on, he's the same. You see him in stand up. Yeah. Now, a lot of times, some people don't call that acting. You're just acting like yourself. But I notice, and it doesn't even have to be acting, but like Chelsea lately for like that. Stand-up comics on that show, when yeah. that show, they would sell out everywhere. Yeah. They would sell out because that show was known for stand-up yes. comics. You yes. know, if you're on the Daily Show, you get that certain audience, yeah. you start selling out. Yeah. But it seems like there's a very big disconnect in sitcoms. Absolutely. Like, if you play a restaurant manager in a sitcom, they're not thinking you're a stand-up comic. Dude, I was on uh, Superior Donuts for two seasons it's a cbs show even so even more so where you have an audience that is used to watching you they have an older audience yeah i don't think i got really a bump in any numbers i mean there was a handful of people that come out and say oh i know you're from superior donuts so people were watching it but for the most part it didn't doesn't really bump you it's interesting how certain shows will and certain things won't at all there's no listen what you said the people once they get to know you as you, it's almost like stand-up comedians are almost mini cult leaders. Yes. <laughs> Once they're on board with you, they're on board with you. And so whatever that thing is, and there's some programs and some things that are a little more cultish than others. And that's why I think what you just said, when, when you're on social, when you're on, on, you know, online with a clip, if somebody sees a clip of you doing, I mean, Angela Johnson is a great example. She oh. had, 
she had the clip of the nail thing, and then people were like, I love her. And they come out to still see that 10, 15 years later. Yeah. It's amazing, but yeah. she built a career off of that. Absolutely. And, and you should, and, and I, I, I hear like comics say, oh, well, she built a whole career off of one bit. It's like, so? Listen, Guess what? But you have to still go out and perform. Well, also you respect the fact that it was more than that, right? Yeah. So that gets them in, and then she's funny, and she does. There her you job. go. She does so her thing. That's what it is. So, so really, but but I'm just I'm talking about getting known and how you become known. So it could be one clip gets out there, gets into the community. You know, you do a joke about your kids or something, and then all these parents see it. They go, "I got to go see Michael," and then they show up, and then now they just they keep coming out. Because they want to, versus if you ended up on some TV show, like you said, where you were the restaurant manager, that would never inspire anybody to come out and see come you. Come out and see you, yeah. yeah. It's it's interesting because, you know, Joe Coy is my mentor in comedy. So I've seen the bumps for him. Like I was with him uh, 12 years ago when he his comedy special came out and he was doing well, but not yeah. like he is now. And then Chelsea hit. So then when Chelsea hit, I saw this whole new audience and he was prime on his game. Like, yeah. he was crushing clubs. Yeah, he was like, great. he was yeah. crushing it. So you got this new audience. Because there's a difference between this new audience finding you and you're okay. Yeah. Then you're, like, like killing it. Yeah. So he's killing it. So he gets all that crowd. And then Adam Carolla. He gets on that podcast yeah. for, like, four years. Yeah. And now he's destroying it. Yeah. Then the Netflix drop. Lights out. It's done. It's yeah. over. Well, you, you know, know stand-up comedy is one of the one of the things. One of the... Um, Arts where you usually you have to be seasoned to get the get that kind of uh, uh, response. Meaning, like you know, if you're a singer, you could have a great voice. Somebody produces it. You're 16 years old, 17, and you're you're selling out these huge things. Stand up takes time. Yeah. A guy like Mark Marin with his podcast, it took a long time. He was in his 50s or whatever, or late 40s, and then that hits. Even Rogan, who's always killed it. His podcast went to another level. Now he's been doing it 20, 30 years. So when people come see him, he crushes, which is actually an interesting thing because a lot of times there's actors who I think the acting dries up and they go, well, let me go do stand-up. And then they go out there and they go, this is not as easy as yeah, I thought. Yeah, because nobody's writing your words. You actually have to go up and do it. Here's what's interesting to me. I was at the comedy store. Uh, I did a show. It was... It was some killers on there, but Steve-O was on, right? Yeah. So this is what I noticed and. You know, like when you're young, you always try when like I've been only in it nine years. But from from a nine year perspective, when you're young, you always try to compare comedians. And then as you get older and maybe you start touring and now you're starting to make money off of it. You don't care about that. I start analyzing what the crowd is looking at now when. There was like, it was like a Bill Burr. It was like a, like, it was just a devastating lineup. It right. was, it was killers. And then Steve O. Yeah. And Steve O went on and I was looking at the crowd. The 30 or 40 people that came for Steve O, he was the funniest thing they've ever seen in their lives. And that goes back to your, your tribe. Right. Like, it didn't matter who was on that show. You could have had Dave Chappelle on that line. Right. Those 40 people. Ride or die with Steve. Steve, Steve it's a cult. I mean, and literally <laughs> slapping the table. Yeah. You just saw Bill Burr. You just saw, yeah. but Steve was their guy. And yeah. that's what I love about comedy. Yeah. Is what once you get seasoned in it, you learn that 
it doesn't matter if everybody thinks you're funny yeah. as long as your people yeah. think you're funny. Yeah. And that's what matters. Well, listen, ultimately you have a point of view, you have a voice. So I learned that early on when I first started doing stand up in LA, I would get booked to go do uh, bars like the, the, the Mexican rooms that were mm. in, the, in East LA in Rosemead and stuff. And so I had a lot of my buddies like Jeff Garcia and, and these other guys, Willie Barsena, these guys would have these rooms and you'd show up and this is, let's say, around the time of the Iraq war. And I'm trying to do material about the Bush administration misleading us into a war. But now I'm at a bar and it's like these like this Mexican uh, dude who's got a shaved head with a yeah. tattoo with his girlfriend with her boobs out. And I'm going, I don't know if he's into this this stuff. <laughs> so I had to come up with material that would apply to this crowd that was a bar. And so I had like material about like boobs. I was like, yeah. hey, who likes boobs? And they who likes tits? Yeah. yeah. You know, so I realized, okay, that's me trying to get them to, to listen like to me to and then go. Yeah. But then eventually I realized, you know what? I don't have to do gigs that I don't want to do. So whether it's a a bar like that or if it's like an alternative room that's just too cool for school – I don't gotta you don't go have there. To do it. I gotta. I just gotta stick to where I want to be and talk about what I want to talk about, and your audience will find you. And then eventually, you realize when you do, for example, when I do the kid material, all of a sudden the Mexican dude with a shaved head is into it too because he's got kids. Or you might do material about politics now, and the, the the dude you thought was a gangbanger is actually some dude who's really politically active. I love the <laughs> one person in the crowd that just sits there and doesn't laugh. Yeah. But after the show, they come up to you and go, that was the funniest shit I've ever seen. It's just, it's hard to, because some people just accept funny, different. I literally had this cholo sitting in, for some right reason, the light is always shining on yeah, that person. Yeah, you yeah, notice yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, tattoos on the head, just sitting there. And then after the show, he comes up to me and goes, hey, fucker, that was the funniest shit I ever seen. Yeah. I go, you didn't laugh once. He goes, I was laughing inside. You yeah. know, like, uh, yeah. so, it, <laughs> yeah. but that's the way he says, I don't laugh. I'm not yeah. a laugher, I, yeah. but it, I, I was having fun. Well, one of the things I learned to do is not to, to not pick that person out and go, why aren't you laughing? Because if you think about it, nobody else sees him but you. His, yeah. his, his head, they're seeing the back of his head. But it was so prominent, man. Well, you keep, and you keep going back yeah, to him. I, yeah. So I've seen, and I've had it happen before, I, I, where, where you stop this thunder, you know, this this great set to go to that one person, and go, what's wrong? What's <laughs> yeah. going on? And then it just brings everything down. And another thing is, is when you feel you don't have a good show, and like I used to do this like years ago, and my friend actually corrected me when they would say you don't think you had a great set or you were performing and you headlined somewhere, and people go, oh my god, that's the best thing you ever. It was so funny, and I would go, nah, it wasn't my best. And that, and they were like, what are you talking? Don't yeah. tell them that yeah. because they think it was the best thing they've ever seen. Listen, we're in our head, so yeah. really you got to realize this. I think it's a long game. And you are getting better the more you do it. As long as you stay on it, it's like going to the gym, right? If you if you let it go for a while, then maybe you're rusty, you got to come back. But I always say, never believe the hype. You're never as good as you think you mm -hmm. are. And never believe the criticism because you're never as bad as you think you are. So you're kind of right in the middle. You know, you're constantly moving forward. And so what you just said, we all have nights where you go, God, that just didn't feel right. Yeah. You know, and it could have been, could have been a million things. Maybe the parking coming into the place was bad. Maybe the, the service was the bad. The service was bad. The room was cold. Maybe you, your timing was, whatever it was, you know that you're going to have to do another, you're going to have another set. Maybe even that, the same night you'll have another set. So you got to let it go. It's kind of like I played baseball growing up and, uh, I remember, 
if you make an error in the field, and if you're still worried about that error, when you go to hit, now you're thinking about the error, and now it's going to affect your hitting. And they would say a lot of times, just forget it, you know, shake it off and keep going. And that's what stand-up is. you got to keep going. What was your lowest time in stand-up? Was there ever a moment where you were like, ah, this is not paying the bills, i got to... No, I never had that. So I struggled to get into stand-up because I come from an immigrant background, so my Iranian parents wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever, so... It took me years to convince myself to live my life for me because I wanted to please my parents. Yes. You know, I started doing plays when I was 12 years old. I love being on stage. Every time I do a play, the teacher or the director would say, hey, you got what it takes to do this professionally. And my parents would be like, don't listen to that bitch. She's crazy. <laughs> so so uh, uh, that was that was like growing up. And then I go to college. I study poli sci. I think I'm going to be a lawyer. Then I spend a year in Italy and fall in love with what this, this professor is doing. So I go, maybe I'll be a professor. That way I can be in front of an audience. But also yeah uh, yeah you know have a reputable keep job your parents happy exactly come back my parents freak out they're like no you got to be a lawyer whatever whatever long story short um end up in grad school to get a phd in poli side drop out of grad school and then in my mid-20s i started i got a job at an advertising agency and i was just again trying to have a job obviously have income but also some kind of office job so my parents would be happy and um, and I just had a light bulb moment. I was talking to this guy at the ad agency who was in his 60s, and he'd seen me do a play, and it was a comedic play. And he goes, hey, you're good at this. Have you thought about doing this? And I, his name was Joe, Joe Ryan. I go, Joe, um, I wanted to do this since I was 12. My parents kept telling me no. Then in high school, a teacher said do it. Then in college, a teacher said do it. And I said, I'm going to save up money, and when I'm 30, I'm finally going to try it. He goes, listen. I'm a, I'm in my mid-60s now. And he goes, when I was in my 20s, there were some things I wanted to do. And he goes, it got away. I never got around Time to doing it. Time goes by so fast. So he goes, if you really want to do it, do it. And I was 26. I said, you know what? You're right. So I signed up for improv classes. And then I, from there, took stand-up classes. And then I just went. And so right away, I... I, it felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders mm-hmm. and I never thought of anything else. And so my now wife, who was my girlfriend then, she was a... um a lawyer in a in a in a, a big firm and she came from a very type A place and we just started dating and we were talking about our future and what have you and her question was well if we were to get married because at the time doing stand up it was you know fifteen dollars yeah. for fifteen minutes it was not paying anything mm-hmm. and meanwhile I have a day job at an ad agency as an assistant so I'm making make I'm not I'm not I'm not making any money and she goes what what what's your game plan in the long run if we end up getting married and want to, you know, have a life. And I said, listen, I said, I love doing this. And I said, a day may come where I wake up and I go, I'm sick of it. And I go, but until then, if I have to get a job at Starbucks so that we have health insurance, I'm going to keep doing it. And this was early on. And I just, I have felt lucky and really blessed. And I'm not religious at all, but I feel blessed that I'm, that I found what I love doing. And for whatever reason, it's all kind of fallen into place at the right time. Like early on, when I was doing stand up, uh, getting paid nothing, I, and, and the ad agency started to, to fold because they were lost their business. So they were laying people off. When they laid me off, I ended up getting a commercial. That commercial paid a little bit of money to keep me going. Then I got Friday after next. I paid a little bit of money. Yep. And so it all, so early on, the acting was paying for the stand up. And now that I've built this, 
you know, following the stand up pays for the acting. So now I'm lucky because now I get to pick and choose what I want to do and, and you're, what not. And to you're do. not desperate. That's what yeah. that you know what? It's a thing where uh I've hosted a lot of different like entertainment shows. Yeah. But the end of last year I was talking to my agents, which I love hosting, but I go, I need to now uh build my own yeah. empire. You know, yeah. so like I hundred percent just stand up, just acting, and I want to do that for a couple years because yeah. I know I can host. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but when you can build financial freedom by doing what you love, like stand up, yeah. That means you're working all the time. Yeah. And no casting director or no director or no network can be like, nah, you can't do that anymore. Well, you because, know? because you're, listen, you're, I, I encourage everybody in every field to try and be creative. So Absolutely. I, you know, I got an 11 year old and a nine year old and, uh, my daughter's nine, my son's 11 and you got young kids. So yeah. we were driving one time on La Cienega. There was a billboard of David Foster, the, mm-hmm. the composer. He's, you know, half the songs you listen to he'd written and they didn't know who he was because there was a billboard saying he's performing at some casino somewhere. And my daughter loves music. Who's that? And he's got his, you know, he's got his hair yep. spiked up, all blonde. And I go, I'll go, that's David Foster. I go, he writes a lot of the songs that you guys have probably heard. And she goes, never heard of him. I go, see, I go, the, the key is you, you should, you should be the creator. Be the person who writes the stuff. Be the yeah. person who designs mm-hmm. the thing. Be the person who comes up with the idea. So whether it's apps and technology or whether it's, uh, you know, designing homes or whatever it is, if you can find a way to make a living where you are producing the work yourself, meaning you're making that work come about, you could be, you know, my, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people who were kind of trying to find that. And I said, you know what, step back. And what was it when you loved doing as a kid? So for example, I have a friend of mine who was a really good athlete when we were kids, played baseball, all that stuff. He wasn't good enough to go pro. So then he gets out of college and now he's working with, uh, like in the ticketing office or something with the Rose Bowl, like in the, yeah. in the, in the offices, but he's around sports. Get yourself into that thing. Because your passion will come out and it'll lead to other things. It'll lead to other things. And it's crazy because you hear about, I mean, we were just talking about, uh, just before we came up here, the, the lady, I think you've had her on the pimple popper, right? Oh my God. I love her. That's a career. Yeah. Sandra Lee. Yeah. Who thought you could make a career out of pimple popping? Right. But she did because whatever it is, it led to wherever. It doesn't mean you have to have a TV show about whatever you do. It means just find the thing. If you really find the thing. And also this goes to parents, by the way. If your kid likes to do some stuff, I mean, I look at my, my daughter, my wife and I talk about this all the time. My son reads a lot more than my daughter does. But my daughter is also very, she's, she's just creative. She's got stuff going on. So I've seen her really uh, focus when she's doing some kind of art projects. And I tell my wife, I go, listen, just because... Her vocabulary might not be as good as his at this point. I go, when I see her do the art, I go, that's going to lead to something. I don't know what it is, but I go, that's what it is. I read a book years ago. I don't think, I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's out there anymore, but it's called the seven types of intelligence. Uh-huh. And it talked about, we all have something, whether it's athletics or it's arts or it's critical, whatever it is. If you find that and your kid finds that, you know, f- encourage them. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy to me how you know my kids are three and two months, so <laughs> so I'm just learning about my daughter right now. But it's interesting how I'll see my friends with kids that are older and how they were raised the exact same way, but they're two completely opposite kids. Absolutely, that just blows my mind. Absolutely, you know? it's crazy because you realize obviously it's it's nature first of all. It really is. I mean. 
people ask me, where'd you come up with this thing for your, your drive to be on stage? All that. I just remember being on stage at, at 12. I, I went and auditioned for the musical and then I loved being on stage. And, and, and I remember actually the director at the time, she had told it was a musical. Her name was Shirley Bombright. And she said, when you do a musical, you're supposed to smile whenever you sing and whatever. Always be smiling. So I showed up one day and I was sick. I said, Miss Bombright, I'm sick. She goes, that's fine. Just, you know, I said, I'm here to rehearse though. Great. I'm rehearsing and I'm, I'm smiling as I'm going. And then she stops the whole thing. So everybody stop. Everybody stop. She goes, look at him. He's sick and he's still smiling and he came up. You all got to learn from him. And it was this one moment of going, oh, this is cool. I'm doing this. I'm getting uh-huh. this right. And so that encouraged me. And there I go. And meanwhile, my sister, who ended up being a documentary filmmaker later in life, she when she, she had a documentary film called The Fighting Cholitas. It was a short doc film that, that actually uh, won an award at Sundance. But when she had to speak in front of the audience after the thing, she would always be freaking out. Ah. So she was completely different. And then, and then she had gone skydiving a few times. And I go, there would be no, no way. way. No way I'm right? going skydiving. So it's crazy. So you're right. You come, same family. It's, it's nature. You're, you're, you're designed for a certain thing. And that's why, again, with my kids, I try to be, no matter what it is. The other day, my daughter, and she told me later that wasn't her idea, but that's fine. She took uh, these two toothbrushes and put them back to back with the with the bristles facing out, and she taped them. And she comes in front of me. She starts brushing, so it's brushing the bottom and the top at the same time. Oh! And it was funny because my wife was in a rush to get to school, so she's like, she saw it because my daughter was trying to show her too. She's like, look, look. And my wife's like, what are you doing? We're running late. I'm like, babe, look at the invention. You're right. And then she looked at it, and, and and I was proud of my daughter. Now again. Also proud of my daughter that later on when I was congratulating her, she goes, it wasn't my idea. I saw it on a TV show or something. I go, that's fine. I go, take the idea and improve it. But I, but seeing that I was encouraging them, I was encouraging them. I go, go, go. Like in the comedy world now, and you'll see this when your kids get a little bit older and you take them around on tour with you, my kids love comedy. So we'll do like, we'll do corny jokes and just write corny jokes with one another and she claims she wrote this. I still don't know if she did or not, <laughs> but she had a joke. She goes, where do rappers go to shop for clothing? Where? Jay-Z Penny. <laughs> now, I don't, That's great. I, I don't have 100% proof that she wrote it, but That's, she claims. I've never heard it, though. She said she wrote that. That's great. So we'll do this. So it's actually a good, and it's a fun competition for me. Like, I'll be sitting there going like, oh, what can I come up with? So I go, guys, what's a good night for a fish to go out? What night? Tonight. <laughs> All right, you got okay, you know, yeah, it's not as yeah. good. But the point being, you're being creative. With you're them. being creative, and you're, they're learning joke writing, right? Or, or now they love again. It, from a year or two ago, they started watching Saturday Night Live, and they'll watch it religiously. And I tell my wife, I go, God, if they end up being theater nerds, I'm so happy. I don't care what they get into, but if they have some kind of passion, whether it's robotics or theater or whatever it is, and they're nerdy about it, meaning they're not just hanging out looking for nothing to do and then you know going into the liquor cabinet yeah well my son like it's so interesting like i didn't have a lot of toys growing up because i i thought they were dumb like my thing is like why do i want to play with toys like i always but i did play with cardboard boxes which was you were freaking- you're either a toy snob or you were homeless yeah, or homeless right <laughs> but i would play a lot of sports yeah. where my son is only three but I can tell his imagination is so much better. Like, he'll play with each toy and have a story about oh, it and great. tell me. And I'm like, 
Where'd this come from? Because it wasn't me. It's not my wife. But it's just so great to see. That. Can I tell you something? We have, you know, you're, you're going to have this too. We're all struggling with the with the um, social with the you know the screens. Yes. right? they're always there, and sometimes they're convenient. Yeah, you were just talking about me asking me about traveling with the kids since our kids were. Uh, since my son was one and a half, my daughter was even younger when we first started traveling with her. But I remember with my son, when he was one and a half, we were traveling to the Middle East. It was my wife, me and my boy. And, um, we back then, and I don't know if you've done this with your, with your boy yet, but you know, you get on an airplane and they can't sit still. No, so he was walking up yeah. and down the aisle, up and down. So the whole time we're like sleep. And then when he wakes up, up and down, up and down. So we were walking up and down. And then at one point, he saw somebody watching a cartoon at their seat and he stopped and he started staring. And I go, Oh my God, I have found the solution. And we got him a little video player. And then when we would fly, it was Tom and Jerry, whatever yep. it was, just get them on there. Now come back and, and in our day to day, we realized it's so prevalent and so prominent. This, this, the, the screens that we're constantly trying to figure it out. So we're both, my wife and I are both on, on, on the same page as limiting the screen time yeah. as much as we can. So there's been times, what you were just talking about, there's been times at the house, and it's a lazy Sunday, and they're coming in and going, uh, we want to watch TV or whatever, whatever, and we go, nope, all screen's off. Yep. And one time we did that, and it was amazing because they are, they have this energy, and they got to do something. So the next thing we know, they built this whole little lever slash pulley system going from the top floor all the way down with cardboards and the, you know, empty, uh, um, uh, paper towel rolls and all this. They taped it all together and they're going to the top and they're putting a ping pong ball in it and it's going like uh-huh. working its way down the stairs. And I go, that's what kids should be doing. And it's so great that you said when your boy's imagination with the toys, keep everything else shut off and be like, look, just play with the toys because yeah. that's that's them being encouraged to be kids because as we get older they take that out of you yeah. and that's why comedy again is a great world how many times you sit around with comedians you're like you can't be doing this in an accountant office where no. you're talking it's the best it's the best, it's it a bunch, is the best. and you're getting paid to, to just say stupid shit and try and tag each other and make it funny 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 yeah and just have a good time that's awesome. No, I love it. Like, literally the first time I ever did stand-up, I called my mom as soon as I got off stage and I go, this is what I was born to do. Yeah. Like, I am going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I will take, moving forward, I will take every opportunity. Now, any project I do will reinforce my stand-up comedy. Like, if I do host something, I want to be funny in it. Like, I, now it's all about me being me all the time. Well, listen, what it is is it's kind of like uh, it's, it's, it's like ninja training because you're doing it because you're getting trained because yeah. you'll see it when you... I'm sure your hosting game even improved, but you'll see somebody like I'll watch sometimes, you know, some of these award shows and they have a young um, singer on there. Guy, girl, doesn't matter. But it's a young person who's not trained with being a host, not trained with being a stand up. And they're just reading the cues, whatever it is. Uh And then they say something and you go, God, this person looks really uncomfortable. But we have, you know, when you do stand up 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, you're in a gym, you're hitting that punching bag. So there's times when, you're, they have the cue cards in front of you and your instinct is saying, go off book and say what's on my mind. And when you get to that point where you start doing that, when you have like your Ricky Gervais's hosting the shows or whatever, that's when you see the comfort level. You're like, oh wow, this dude's other level. The one thing I love about comedy and it's the great equalizer. And actually Russell Peters told me like when I was three, four years in, 
He goes, you're going to improve so much faster than a lot of people because you get so much stage time. He goes, don't listen to the years. It's about stage time because you could be, you could do it 15 years, but only have five years of stage time. You still struggling to get up here and there. Look, that means that's, that's just the definition of who's serious and who's not. Exactly. So again, as somebody who travels around the world doing stand up, sometimes I'll end up in these countries where they don't have a stand up scene. So so yeah. the guy will be like, I'm a stand up. I go, how often do you get up? He goes, Well, I've gotten up four times this year. I go, Well, forget it. I yeah. go, You're never gonna be real. So you watch like uh Ronnie Chang special and yep. what I liked about what he said, first of all, you see his his level of comfort and he's hitting it. I'm going, God, this guy's killing it. And he talks about moving to New York and getting up ten times a night, whatever it is. That's what you have to do. Yep. So even in LA, even to this day, when you know I'm at a point where I feel strong in my standup, but I constantly want to come up with new stuff. And so when I'm in town, I will definitely I'll make sure to get up four, five, six times in a week. Yep. No matter what happens, and you have to. And that's where again, if if you're serious and you're in the game, and you and that's where I think you also you get the respect of your peers because they'll watch you. They go, "Oh, this guy's showing up." Yeah. Remember watching Joe Rogan when he was on Fear Factor, hosting Fear Factor, and we were all back at the comedy store talking about stand up, and he was saying, "Even when I'm on a successful show, this is what I love doing because the show is the show, but this is what I love doing." And mm-hmm. so that re- reminded me, even if you end up on a TV show, I did a TV show in New York one time. It was called The Knights of Prosperity. Uh-huh. It was a bunch of guys trying to rob Mick Jagger. It was Sofia Vergara was on there before she got Modern Family. And it was this crazy shooting schedule because it was a single camera in New York and it was a cast of six people and uh, Donald Logue was the lead. And it was a thing where we're trying to rob Mick Jagger. So almost every scene, we're all together. There's very little times where it was like, oh, you don't shoot anything today. Even if you're not saying anything in the scene, you're in the scene. You're in the scene, yeah. So it was 12, 14-hour days, five days a week, and it would start at like 6 a.m. on Monday. And every day, because of uh, Screen Actors Guild rules, they would bump the next start you know, hour later the next day. So you start at 6 a.m. on Monday. Tuesday, you start at like... 8 a.m., 9 a.m., whatever, but you'd always be going 12 to 14 hours. Come Friday, you would film, you start at like noon and be done 3 a.m. Saturday. But because I, you know, I think Joe had stuck in my head and I love doing stand-up, I was like, okay, I got to get my spots in. So I would put in for the comedy seller and Esty, the who, yep. who runs it there. She was nice enough to she would give me three or four spots at the comedy seller on a Saturday, Saturday night, Saturday night. Yep. So I would just sleep in Saturday day, and then Saturday night I just post up at the comedy seller, get my four, three or four spots in, and it was an exhausting week. I could have been if I if I if if stand up was not my passion and my love, I could have said, hey, look, I'm making good money doing TV. This is what I've always been wanting to do. Let me just rest. No, I couldn't. I had to get up. I love that. And it was great. And I love doing it. And again, you're in, and this, listen, this goes for anything people, you could be the pimple popper. Uh huh. When you're around a bunch of other pimple poppers, you're talking pimples. your game. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking pimples and popping so, them. The same thing for me. Like I loved, between, I wouldn't even leave the club. I'd sit there as comedians would come in and go out. We're talking. Even in between shows. Oh, every shows, time I see you at the laugh after, you're in the hallway just. I'm talking it up with everybody that walks in. Having my wine with Jamie Masada, yeah. you know, we do it like whatever. Now my, my routine is I'll do, uh, cause it used to be. So when I first started out as a regular at the comedy store, I'd always get the late spots. Mitzi Shore would put me up at the late spots. Yeah. And back then again, this goes to show you, cause there's a lot of guys that start out with me 
that left. They just stopped doing it. But I started with like Sebastian Maniscalco, Sam Tripoli, Brett Ernst, all these guys. And we would, I remember I'd come up, I'd get the late spot. I remember hanging out with Joey Diaz and, and everyone at that late was just dirty and, you know, just balls to the walls. And I'm coming up again trying to do, you know, jokes about the Bush administration. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember Joey Diaz, I was telling him, I was like, why did she put me up so late? Like, I, I don't I don't really belong here. He's like, bro, she's, she's, she's got plans for you, bro. She's got plans. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. So I would just hang out. I'd do my spot. And then I'd be, you know, hanging out till two in the morning talking to, you know, Paul Mooney would be telling stories or Eddie Griffin or somebody. He'd be sitting there watching. And so that was when I first started out. But now that I'm older and I've got a family and all that stuff, Stuff, it's kind of reverse. Like, I don't hang out as late at the comedy store because that's just like, it feels like a young man's game over there. Yeah. I get in and I do my spots, it, but I don't hang out till two. Yeah. See, that's my thing is since I started late in the game, yeah. it's like, I know I will never get past at the comedy store because I just don't have the time. Right. But like, I can't hang out to two because as yeah. soon as I do, like, I'll get into the comedy store to do like promoter shows. Yeah. Like, they'll put me on. Yeah. But. You know, I know it's a process for the kind. You got to be around, and yeah. that you're right. That's a young man's game. I, you know, I can't listen, do listen, it now. First of all, first of all, it all ha- that's the other thing. I think that comes with age. You realize everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Absolutely, 100%. so what'll happen is, for example, you'll end up on some show or whatever, whatever, or one night the booker is going to see you at something and go, "Hey, why don't you do more spots here?" And you'll be like, "Oh wow, I did not go through the." routine yeah, steps yeah. to get here because that happens that kind of stuff happens all the time you know so now my my routine is go to the store do my spot love being there connect with a couple of friends yep and then i'll make sure that the factory spot is the last spot i'll go to the factory do my spot and you hold court and then i just hang out with jamie and people come and go and i still get to see a lot of comedians that i know and it's it's fun and it's like Listen, man, you you can talk to comedians all day long. I just did a spot in New York. It's one of these things where I was in for a couple of days and this girl reached out to me. She's like, I got this bar gig and blah, blah, blah. And I and I just done the seller or comedy underground and had this spot that went really well and I felt really good and I love those clubs. Those are like my home clubs in New York when I'm when I'm just in town or Caroline's. And uh and I accepted to do this bar gig, I don't know, Lower East Side. I'm walking to it. I'm like, what was I thinking? I should yeah. be going home. What am I doing? And I go in and I do it and it goes well. And then I'm walking back to my hotel and this young comedian, I forget his name, but he's this uh, comedian out of Africa. And he starts walking with me and we're talking and he's new to the game. And we just talked for 20, 30 minutes and it felt like I could do this all day. I don't know yeah. this guy, but this is what we, you know what I'm saying? So again, it goes back to find what you love doing and, and it's almost like you're you're not passing a torch because you're still doing, but you're educating the younger people coming up. As you can have, but almost, you know? I'm also interested in this it's, conversation. Yeah. yeah, you know, you put me in any other any other thing. Like I, God, I, you know, I hear people on airplanes sit down and start talking. I'm like, why are you people talking? Yeah, you should be I can't sleeping. Stand, I can't stand when people talk on airplanes like they're in their living room. Oh, God. like loud, like hey, so you know, yeah. like I'm like, do you know other people on this plane? That is so annoying to me. It is. They have no idea of their no volume, idea. and I'm going, what? Like how how much sleep did you get last night? Because I'm like, just just be quiet. Like some people, I, if I, if it's not a topic of interest to me, I can't. It's well, hard for me to hold court. I tell you, what's hard for me is to sit next to get put next to another comedian. Yeah. On a long flight. Yeah. Because, for instance, me and Chris Lee are on a flight back yeah. from New York to yeah. L.A. And in my mind, I'm going, am I going to? 
try to talk to him for that long? Like, what is the... Pre- or do no, I he just doesn't want to talk to you either. Exactly. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what I'm saying. No, well, first so, of all, when you're on a flight with a comedian, I, I'm, I'm realizing it's amazing how parallel our lives are. Yeah. So I ran into John Heffron one time at like 6 a.m. at the American Airlines Lounge. What are you up to? I'm going to Cleveland. I'm going to whatever. Oh, great. Uh, you know... You got the lounge membership? Yeah, I, you know, I got over 100,000 miles. Me too. Yeah. You know, it's this, it's, it's, we're in the same world, but we just are doing it individually. So we're not aware. But so- I think it's interesting when you put, get side by side with one, because in your, in my mind with Chris, I know Chris. Yeah. So I'm going, I don't want to be that dude that over talks. Maybe I'll just go to sleep. But we winded up talking six hours. Really? Like the whole way, because we, we were just talking about, so it was such a fun conversation. Well, I we were the loud guys on the plane. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, like, I've run into other comics, and it's funny, because I have, I do a whole thing where I'll, I'll put the, the, the little sleeper thing yeah, on. Yeah, the mask. Yeah, then, then they I, know. And then I'll put my hoodie on, and then I'll tie it. So all you see is my big-ass nose sticking <laughs> out. But I looked over, and I think it was like Tony Rock, or it was Guy Tory, one of those guys, similarly had a hoodie on, tied, and I go... That was my move. And right? I, I realized it's their move. And we're all, especially if you end up on that morning flight back on Sunday, because that's where we're all trying to get back to LA, to our lives, to our I'm families. I'm trying to get back to my family, that first yeah. flight out. Yeah, I'm not talking to anybody on that plane. Yeah. I, even like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I got some movies to catch up on. If it's, listen, if it's a midday flight or it's a night flight, I'll watch the movie, I'll get into a conversation. But morning flights, yeah, I am I'm, not talking I'm to I'm not you. a conversation person. But for some reason, this one worked. So I would say out of that five and a half hour flight we talked about. Listen, also with comedians, like I said, you, you, that's why when I'm at the Laugh Factory or even at the store, you know, people are coming and going, you're having great conversations, we're all in the same game. Yeah. So it could be, it, your, your conversation could be, you could be talking about whatever, you and I could be talking about kids, and then all of a sudden, this other comedian walks up and goes, "Hey, are you guys happy with your agent?" And now we could talk. Yeah, talk about yep. An hour about that, and then somebody else comes up and goes, uh, "You know, do you know who does this bix? I'm working on a, uh, you know, you just keep going." Gotcha. God. So before you leave, I, I want to ask you because this is a big topic. We were talking about religion a little bit on my, uh, a couple of podcasts ago, but aliens. Are you an alien person? I'm like, a do very, you believe? Uh, I'm a pretty practical person. I mean, listen, yeah. I believe there's got to be some other light form out there. Agreed. Are they ET? No. It's like, you know, uh, uh, um, little micro organs or whatever that, you know, like maybe there's just something out there that's, it's got to be something alive. I out mean, there. but don't you think maybe, I mean, this world, the galaxy is huge. I think there's other life forms like us far away. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. But I don't think anybody is coming here looking around, abducting people, bringing them back no. and be like, peace out. Listen, we live in such a crazy world right now with conspiracy theories. Again, as an Iranian American, a lot of Iranians are big conspiracy theories because because the U.S. helped overthrow a democratically elected leader in 1953. The Brits came in before that, took the oil. So any a lot of people from the Middle East always blame the West for stuff. And sometimes I go rightly so because yep. I go, they have done stuff. But when you start really going down this world of conspiracy, 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 where's the emails? Hillary's doing this, doing that. Look, man, I can point any, I could connect all kinds of stuff together and all of a sudden I'm not living in reality anymore. So that's why like one of my problems with sometimes when I hear, you know, Trump saying stuff or Rudy Giuliani, I go, these people are out of their minds. Show me 
real factual evidence, not some article somebody wrote where they were like, well, this guy was in the same picture with oh, no, that guy. they just say some, pe- so, some people are saying to me. Yeah, even, like, when, even, even when, like, like on the other side, when people were saying, like, well, Trump clearly knows left partners because he's in pictures with him. I go, I've been in pictures it with... was tons of people. I don't a know. A lot of people I don't know. Now, that went further, and then they had audio of him at a meeting. I go, okay, now you're starting to show yeah. me something. But that goes with aliens and stuff. Because I think people, some people really go into this world. There's got to be something going up, bro. You think we're that important that aliens even care? If they, they probably got their own problems and, and they're my, dealing with their own shit. Yeah, and my thing is, is if they're that advanced, why would they hide? They would just show up and be like, "What? We're here. Yeah. There's nothing you can do." Now, now, when I was on another, po- I was on a podcast with Joe, and he goes, "Well, they would care about our feelings." I, I don't think they would. You know, like he said, they would be so advanced, they would know we would overreact. We are very self-centered. I think that we yes. all think people want a piece of this. They really don't. Don't. No. That's why when people go, oh, um, you know, I see some politicians go, they're, yeah, they want, they're, they're yelling death to America. They're thinking about us. I go, no, I've been to the Middle East. There might be a handful of dudes who are going death to America because some American reporters showed up with a camera and they're like, <laughs> oh, hey, death to America. Yeah. You know, but I go, most people are just trying to live do, their lives, live their lives, get some bread on their table. You know, if they're lucky, go see a movie or whatever it is. And I go, no one's thinking about us that much. And I think it goes the same thing with aliens. If, if they're aliens out there, they probably got their own shit. They probably yeah. got their own Republicans, they got their Democrats. Own wives. They got their own kids. They don't fucking, they're not like, oh, let's go see. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> go see what these assholes are doing. We're just a bunch of assholes. Nobody right? wants this. No, no. We, you know? we think we're way more important than we are. We really aren't that oh. important, dude. All right. So where are you going to be at? Because uh, this is dropping today. Where are you going to be at this weekend? So in- this weekend I'm in Atlanta and then I'm on tour. So I'm going to be in Vancouver. I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to be in Chicago. Everyone can go to masjobrani.com for all of that stuff. My podcast is called Back to School with Maz Jobrani. So people should find that online. It's free. Free. It's free. We uh, like free. We like free. And uh, and then social media, it's all at Maz Jobrani. Also, if people are, are, are in Irvine on February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day, I'm doing a show at the Irvine Improv, which is a fundraiser for a sober living facility. Nice. So come out. And I got a great lineup of comedians uh, with Amir K, Tehran, a bunch of dudes. Uh, and it'll be a great night for a great cause. So come be a part of that. All right. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, homie. Thanks for having me, man. 